Welcome to the Why Did I Get Cancer podcast. I'm Deborah Herlax Enos, a small town girl turned TV nutritionist and healthy living expert. I design health programs for the average guy or gal, including those average guys named Metallica. On September 1st, 2020, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. I asked every oncologist the same question, why did I get cancer? But none of my doctors had good answers for me. I wanted answers and that's why I started this podcast. I wanna help you to lower your cancer risk and provide self-care tips for those in the battle. I'm getting answers and I wanna share them with you. Today's takeaway with Dr. Katie Deming, the conscious oncologist, was surprising, but then also not surprising. So here's what she told me when she was working as an oncologist and she would have really nice, overly accommodating women come in. She said in the, in the back of her office, they would all be saying, well, this woman's going to have it really bad. She's going to have a bad cancer. And she said most of the time it was true. So her conclusion that she drew was that when women... Um, don't have good boundaries and, you know, we end up doing things for other people that we end up resenting later, it's really bad for our health. And so that's what I meant by saying it was a surprise, but it also wasn't really a surprise because I felt like I used to be that way too. Listen to today's episode to get all of the scoop from Dr. Katie Deming. Oh, I'm so excited about today's podcast with Dr. Katie Deming. And um, I, I listened and watched your TEDx talk. And what I love about your title is that you're the conscious oncologist. The conscious oncologist. So can you unpack that for, for us? What, is that? what does that mean? Yeah. Well, thank you for having me on your show. It's a pleasure to be here. And, you know, I think that the idea of cancer we've been taught is a physical problem in the physical body. But the more that I dive into this space of holistic healing, I've really gained an understanding that it's so much deeper, right? We have studies that show us related, it's related to emotions. You know, there's data that shows that the mind can affect the genes in our body and what's manifest in our body. And then from a spiritual perspective, you know, I really think that all healing is spiritual and really helping us mm. get reconnected with our authentic self and what we came here to do. And the mm. work that I do with clients now is really bringing all of that together, but in a way that doesn't prioritize the physical. It's like we really need to be looking at this from all aspects. And for me, it's like, you know, I think of conscious as oncologist as being awake to these other aspects of healing is really on all of these different levels if we want to achieve wellness and health. Hmm. Okay. So I would imagine that philosophy doesn't go over real well in a big hospital system. <laughs> you might be called a little woo-woo, which I've been called a little woo-woo too. So maybe we're woo-woo sisters. That's right. But can you tell me, tell me about um, traditional, you know, Western medicine? I can't imagine that they would consider, you know, spiritual or you know, maybe early trauma in life impacting health. Yeah. Well, I, this is why I left 
Western medicine in 2022. So I was a radiation oncologist for 20 years and also a healthcare leader. And I ran end-to-end cancer care for a large healthcare organization. And actually, at the height of my career, I had been nominated to run all of cancer care for that same organization at a national level, where I would have been responsible for prevention, screening, you know, treatment, end-to-end care, and then into survivorship or end of life for 12 million Americans. So like you know, I was I was doing all the things. I was very deep in the Western medicine world, and I had an experience that just shifted everything for me. And where I realized, I'm like, I'm not supposed to be here. This is not what I'm supposed to be doing. And I ended up leaving my career summer of 2022, and I didn't really know what I was supposed to be doing. And this is quite scary just to like say, I don't know, I've trained my whole life for this job. And, you know, what am I going to do? But I did that and and then took a year, a little over a year, actually, um, to do my own exploration and look at what does the science show us about true health and how does that play into the development of disease, including cancer, and look at it from that perspective, because all of my training had really been about the disease itself. And then taking it like from a like molecular level of like just cancer. But the truth is, is that cancer occurs in a human being, which is so much more than just the physical machinery of the body. And so I just started looking, you know, and and researching and, and learning about the things that I didn't learn in medicine. And what I learned is there is a lot of data out there to show that emotional trauma can have an impact on disease in the body. Like, so the ACE study, have you ever talked about the ACE study on this podcast? I, I, I have, but it's been a few months. So why don't you, um, even just the acronym, can sure. you explain so what ACE the acronym is? stands for Adverse Childhood Events. And this was a very large study that would, was done through Kaiser Permanente and basically looked at children and calculated the number of adverse childhood events, which these are basically traumatic events that can occur in childhood. It could be divorce of a parent, parents. It could be a parent who's incarcerated. It could be a parent who's addicted to drugs or alcohol. It could be physical abuse. It could be sexual abuse. It could be neglect. So they had this whole list of different adverse effects and they gave the children a score and then they tracked these children into adulthood. And what they found was the higher the ACE score, the higher the incidence of cancer, diabetes, cardiovascular disease, lung disease. And this to me was mind-blowing because this is a big study. This is not like a tiny little thing. And I had never been taught anything about that. And so then I was approaching it from the opposite end of, you know, uh, radical remissions and looking at Kelly Turner's work, who's a PhD, who studies mm-hmm. people who cure cancer without... Right. She's been a guest oh, on she my has. podcast I love that. I love that. Yeah, she's amazing. Amazing, amazing. I, I honestly, I quote her all yes. the time. Kelly, Dr. Kelly Turner says... Yes. So, and what I saw in there yeah. was that there was emotional work that was one, you know, two of the nine things that those people do who are able to cure themselves of cancer without treatment are emotional. So one is emotion, releasing emotional trauma. And then the other is 
learning how to cultivate positive emotions. And that's what really set me down on this track. Like, I'm like, I knew it. I knew it had to be more than just the DNA and, you know, the physical things that I was taught in medical school. And then as I looked at it, you know, I started understanding epigenetics, how our brain affects our the expression of DNA and the health of our cells. And so ultimately, this is where I've landed is in this space of really looking more holistic at healing cancer. And it's definitely different than my old colleagues. So all those people that I used to lead, you know, are like, wow, Katie's just really gone out there. But (laughs) the thing, Katie is so out there. (laughs) But it sounds like you have found an area where you can truly help people discover the root cause of illness. And, you know, our traditional Western medicine we are, they're, they're great at, at fixing things. They really are. But to me, it's still a band-aid because if you don't get down to the root cause, why do you have back pain? You know, we can give you an injection, but it's just going to come back if you don't change your posture or you need to exercise or you you need a new mattress and kind of the same thing with cancer. You know, it's, it's, there's a good chance it's going to come back in just a different place or, you know, as something else, if you don't figure it out. Yeah. Well, I, you know, there's an analogy or a parable that really brought it home for me when I was, you know, busy in my clinic and working. I happened to go to a meditation retreat with one of my best friends who's a GYN oncologist. So she's a surgeon for gynecologic cancers. And when we were at this meditation retreat, they were telling this parable and the parable is about the river. And it talks about this village that is alongside a river. And one day they find body floating in the river and they basically um, rescue the person and, you know, get them to dry land. And then the next day there are two people in the river. So they rescue them. And then the next day four and every day it's doubling. And so this village gets very organized and they've got like, you know, rescue boats and they've got pulleys to get all the people off the river and and the village elders are praising them for such a good job and how well they're rescuing all the people. And I turned to my friend and I said, this is Western medicine. This is Western oncology. We are pulling people out of the river, but what the heck is going on upstream? And Oh, that's so good. When I got people onto dry land, we treated their cancer. I felt like I was doing them a disservice to let them go back to the lifestyle Mm -hmm. that created the cancer in the first place. And we're telling people, you know, every day I was telling people, I don't know why you got cancer. Like, let's just take breast cancer as an Mm -hmm. example. Only five to 10% of breast cancers is genetically related. And there's very few demonstrable like um, events that are related to uh, environmental exposure. So most of the time I was saying, I don't know, it's bad luck. And that to mm-hmm. me just felt so wrong. How could we not it know? Did. Yeah. How could we not know what's yeah. causing it? And so this is what, you know, really led me into this space of like, I want to go upstream. Right. And then I also want to help people once they've had cancer. How do you really get well? How do you support right. your body so that it doesn't and, and create? stay well? Yes, 
Right. Well, and my experience is similar when I, I, as I mentioned to you earlier, I was asking every oncologist, why did I get cancer? Hence the name of this podcast. And the answer I got was, well, you have boobs. And I thought, well, so does 50% of the rest of the people on this planet. So are you saying if you have breasts, like it's inevitable? And I just couldn't accept that answer. I hear you. I'm with you. Yeah. It- yeah, no, you are. You're yeah, my people. I-, <laughs> I just met you, but you're already my people. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about. Um, we talked about the um, the root cause, and you feel that genetics doesn't have to be the main driver. It's not because I had very little genetics. So let's go back to that root cause. Could it be things in your childhood that? you haven't processed. Well, we have studies that show children who have higher number of traumas, emotional traumas, have a higher incidence of cancer. So to me, we have data that is showing there's a correlation between those two things. Mm -hmm. So absolutely. And then as I started, you know, I had tuned into this before I left Western medicine because I was particularly good at caring for patients with trauma. I just happened to be, you know, the one that if my front desk was scheduling people, they would say, oh, you know, if this patient is, you know, challenging and they've got like other emotional issues that are going on, they would just schedule them with me. And so I really noticed that there was this correlation between childhood trauma and people with cancer And so I had already noticed that. And then that same G1 oncologist who was at that meditation retreat with me, when I started mentioning this to her, she started asking all of her patients and not only childhood traumas, but stressful events. And both of us Mm -hmm. started charting this and we were noticing all all of our patients have some kind of, and the thing is that you could say, well, everyone has trauma living in today's world. There's just like a, you know, world full of trauma, but Mm -hmm. there was definitely something that we were seeing. And then, you know, as I'm looking, I, when I started looking at, you know, other research and people are doing things, I started really looking at the out there stuff. So like German new medicine Mm -hmm. is an example of that, where there's, Mm -hmm. have you ever heard of that? Yeah, so this was um, founded by Dr. Hammer, and it's quite controversial in the cancer space, and it's not something that I, like, advocate in terms of the treatment, but basically Dr. Hammer, his son was shot and killed, like, unexpectedly as a teenager, and within a few months, he developed testicular cancer, and he Hmm. was a doctor, he was an internist, and so he started noticing wow, I think there's a connection between traumatic events and development of cancer and has basically developed this whole framework about explaining that disease in the body correlates to traumatic events, like sudden traumatic events. And, you know, basically Hmm. demonstrated that there were findings on CT scans in the brain in certain areas, depending on the kind of trauma and and basically just becoming aware of the trauma can help start to heal the body. And in cancer, it's quite controversial because he doesn't, he now is deceased and, you know, other people are carrying on that work, but recommended no treatment for cancer like whatsoever. And so I, I feel like it's very kind of fringe out there, but 
this is the type of stuff where when I became open, I just was like, I want to see what everything that's out there. And you start to see there right. are other people who are putting these pieces together. And um, and really connecting the dots, it sounds yeah. like. Some dots that maybe people don't want to connect, which leads me to a tough question for you. Um, do we have to be aware of the trauma from childhood or, you know, sometimes things happen to us when we're so young, we just, we maybe don't have conscious memories of it. And um, how does, I guess this is a two-part question. And then how does somebody go about unpacking and healing from trauma? Yeah. Well, this is a good question because, you know, traditionally in like Western society, we use therapy. So like that's the most common way that people think of managing through trauma. But sometimes mm -hmm. that can be traumatic itself, like going through and digging up those things. And like you said, sometimes people have suppressed memories of, of trauma. And so in my practice, um, we use a technique called Psych-K. It's called psychological mm -hmm. kinesis. And what it does is that it helps teach people how to process their emotions by bringing both sides of the brain online. And so that's one component of it. But the other piece is not going back and like rehashing traumas, but using the subconscious mind to help release and then program in more helpful stories. And there are actually quite hmm. a few different techniques that you can use that are not like traditional therapy that are going to dig up and, and bring people back into that that can help heal things on a subconscious level. And this is whether someone has conscious hmm. memory of it or not. All of these traumatic events get stored in our subconscious. And then basically our subconscious runs 95% of our thoughts and 95% of our behavior. And so even if consciously we know we want, let's just say we know we want good health. You know, our conscious mind mm -hmm. is like, we're doing the things for good health. But if in your subconscious mind, you have some devaluing story or some emotional trauma mm -hmm. that is creating a pattern that is not geared towards creating that, then basically what you're doing is you're subconsciously creating that in 95% of your thoughts are created by your subconscious. And this is why people can know the right thing to do, but then have patterns come up that are repetitive that are actually not helpful for them and they're coming from the subconscious. Okay. Hmm. So there's a way to not have to rehash Absolutely. trauma Absolutely. To, to get rid of it. Okay. That is really good news because I, I, I mean, I, we've all had trauma as yeah. you, as you mentioned, and even just watching the news today is, is trauma. So Dr. Deming, it sounds like what you're saying is we don't necessarily have to go back and, relive all that trauma to process it? Is that is that yeah, true? Yeah, that is accurate. And there are actually, you know, I okay. explain that Psyche is one method that I'm using currently, but there are others. So you can use hypnosis as one way. There's emotion mm -hmm. code. There's multiple. There's EFT tapping. There are multiple mm -hmm. modalities that can be used to help release trauma without having to go back into it. Okay. Because I mean, we've all had trauma. Um, even just watching the news today feels like trauma. Um, but I have a lot of, I have quite a few girlfriends who've been through some pretty traumatic experiences when they were younger, and I, I, 
I think that maybe they don't know, because I didn't know, that you don't have to relive it to process it. So that, I think, is really encouraging news for people. Absolutely. I don't know about you, but I'm actually glad the holidays are over. I have been crushing the red meat game. I have been eating, honestly, red meat at every meal. I'm trying to eat more salmon, though, in 2024. So let me tell you how to cook the easiest salmon on the planet. I tell you, you will love it, and so will your guests. So I take a little filet, I defrost it, avocado oil on top, just a drizzle, a sprinkle of everything but the bagel seasoning, 425 eight minutes. And honestly, it comes out perfect every time unless, unless the salmon is a little thicker than an inch. I make this for company all the time. Now, here's the great deal for my community from ButcherBox. They're not offering this for long, so I really encourage you to jump on board. So ButcherBox is offering us free choose-your-own-protein for an entire year. So you can choose salmon, you can choose chicken breast, you can choose ground beef, and then in your on your first box, you actually also get $20 off. They're, again, they're not offering this for long. I encourage you to join me and eat more salmon. It's incredibly anti-inflammatory. I'm trying to eat it at least twice a week in 2024. Enjoy this special. And so it sounds like this is not just your theory. There is good research discussing and finding that childhood or trauma throughout life can contribute to cancer risk or heart disease or diabetes. Absolutely. Many types of illness. Cancer is just my particular lens. But as I'm digging into this research, mm -hmm. I'm finding that it's correlated with other types of illness as well. Wow. Okay. So where does, where does someone start? If they want to live their healthiest lives, no matter what age they are, and whether or not they've ever been diagnosed with something, where does somebody start just to, just to make sure this area of their life is cleaned up? Well, I think from the emotional standpoint, the things that I like to teach people, and, and both from the preventive standpoint, you know, this is my goal is to get upriver, right? And to help people before mm -hmm, they right. become sick is like emotional fluency. So we are emotional beings. It's We are intended to experience emotions because there's information that is conveyed through emotions. Emotions tell us when we're in danger or when we're loved, you know, we, we can feel that. And so we don't want to suppress emotions. We want to learn mm -hmm. how to process them. And so learning how to process emotions in a healthy way so that they can run through you and they don't get stuck or they don't get suppressed is like the first thing. So I'd say teaching people how to process emotions is one of the first things that I do. And then the second thing mm -hmm. is, you know, doing some subconscious work because our subconscious mind, and Bruce Lipton is a great person to read mm -hmm. about who talks about this. Bruce Lipton is a cell biologist who studies epigenetics, and he was basically mm -hmm. studying, you know, cell by looking at cells and, and determining how they grew. And what he noticed was it depended on the culture that he was growing the cells in. And then ultimately mm. that led him to his book, The Biology of the Belief, is Biology of Belief is one of his most popular books. And it talks about how in the human, the environment of our cells, our brain and our mind plays a very important role. And so mm. the um, 
the uh, expression of our genes can be affected by our mind. And so anyway, the subconscious mind, he explains in the book that the subconscious mind is programmed in the first eight years of life. And so if you experience okay. things in your first eight years of life, that's that 95% of the brain is subconscious. And basically you're going to run those patterns and the subconscious mind doesn't know good from bad. It just takes everything as fact. So everything that's said to you, if you were told you were stupid and you're ugly and you're fat and you're this mm -hmm. and you're that, your subconscious mind just pulls that in and is like, okay, that's who we are. And, and basically then we replay mm. that tape for the rest of our lives in the subconscious. And so I think subconscious work is really powerful. So you can access that through, uh, like I said, hypnosis or psyche or emotion code or um, EFT tapping. But these are some of the ways that you can access and release those programming, the programming that's been pro uh, put into your subconscious that you may not even be aware of. Hmm. So this sounds like this is actually probably the first place people should start. I mean, you can take, you can eat a healthy diet. I mean, this, this was me, you know, ran half marathons, did hot yoga, ate organic, non-GMO, the picture of health, and yet I still got sick. So you can't out eat or out exercise or out supplement early childhood trauma, it sounds like. Yeah. And this is like quite common in my practice. Wow. I had so many patients who were really healthy and eating like a raw vegan diet or marathoners or whatever. And they're like, I'm taking care of my body. But you know, the other thing that's really interesting, and I think this is, you know, this is an observation. I don't have evidence to say this, but in breast cancer specifically, because that was my specialty. I specialized in breast and gynecologic cancers when I was in uh, as a radiation oncologist. And a lot of the women who had breast cancer were the overdoers, the ones who were in. Mm. And so I think there's something about the emotions and the way that we do the things that we do, are we doing them out of a not mm. good enough, out of suppressing our own needs to take care of others to, you know, mm -hmm. there was this real caregiver, the women that I saw, they were doing all the right things, but then they were doing it out of like obligation for caring for everyone else and mm. not really paying attention to their own needs and setting boundaries to say, you know, this is what I need for my own well-being. They were really focused on everyone else. And this is like mm -hmm. a, you know, this is kind of, I don't know what to describe it as, but in medicine or in oncology, we used to always say, oh, if they're super nice, it's going to be bad. And I just remember there was this one, wow. this one patient that I had and she was in her 40s. She was like the sweetest, sweetest. And she just demonstrates this principle. So I'm, this is why I'm sharing the story sweetest person like everyone when she came in the clinic they were like she is just like the sweetest person i've ever met and her cancer like you could blow on it and it would spread and she just it her cancer was so aggressive and spread so fast and and she wow succumbed to her cancer and but that's an example of like we see this and the doctors talk about it the nurses and everyone hmm. will be like yeah if they're super nice and super like do everything for everyone else, they're going to have it bad. And this is like one of those things that we say, but then wow. nobody really like 
thinks about, well, wait, why is that? Like, what's going on there? And I think it's a suppression. That is crazy. I've I've never heard that. So (laughs) in your your experience that, as you said, the nicer they were, the more aggressive or the worse the cancer was. And now that I'm understanding emotions, I think it's really about Mm -hmm. suppression of their own emotional needs. And they are holding this vibration, Mm. whether it's guilt or whether it's shame, that basically we're vibratory beings. If you, you know, look at things from a quantum level, everything is vibrating and emotions Mm -hmm. hold frequency. And so when we're suppressing our own needs, oftentimes it's out of guilt or shame. And also, like you think about trauma, people have guilt or shame, you know, around trauma that I think it's what we're holding, this vibration that we're holding in ourselves and in the water of our cells that ultimately impacts the function of those cells and the development of disease in the body. Okay. Boy, this is a lot for me to get my head around, but I'm really glad we're talking about it because people, people, especially women, I think need to hear this. I, I, I don't know. I've never had a lot of men in my life who overgave, were overgivers, um, and put, you know, like women. I mean, I will just say, women. That I mean, I feel like that's one of the way we serve. One of the ways we serve our families and humanity is that we don't put our oxygen mask on first. We take care of everybody else. And then we put our oxygen mask first. And I would say men put the oxygen mask on first and then they'll help everybody else. And so it sounds like that's a healthier way to go. Yeah. And also this is conditioning. So this is the programming of our subconscious mind. In our society, Mm -hmm. women are conditioned to be caregivers and to put their needs aside to make sure everyone else is taken care of. And this is like, it, even when we know, we're like, I should be getting my needs met. But then the like programming mm-hmm. is like has us doing these things. And ultimately, if we don't set healthy boundaries and we're living our lives to care for everyone else, that's affecting us mm-hmm. on a cellular level. It is. It is. And I remember this was years ago when I'd first gotten married and um, I moved to Washington State from my home in Northern California, and I, I was just trying to get involved with lots of people and create a community and get involved with a new church. And when people asked me to do things, I did it because I wanted to meet people and I wanted to, you know, just get established. And I, I had a new girlfriend say, you know, if you're if you resent doing it, it's not a blessing to anybody, including yourself. And I thought, oh bingo. Like I'm overgiving and not taking care of my own needs. And then you just get resentful. Like, oh, I've got to drive over there and do this. Now I have to go do this. And you just end up getting resentful <laughs> about the time you're, you're, you're giving. I say that in quotation marks to others because it's no longer a gift. Yeah. No, I love that she said that because it's so true, but yeah. we're you know, there are all these expectations. So we feel like we need to Mm -hmm. do that. And actually, that's some of the work that I've been working on since I left uh, Western medicine in 2022 is really learning how to set boundaries for what's best for me. Because if you, I mean, as an oncologist, I know people think like oncologists are, you know, short and, you know, can maybe like, 
you know, have some negative things about the doctors per se, but the truth is, is that we are definitely overgivers. And I was way mm-hmm. overdoing so many things and realized that if I wanted to model that for my patients and teach people how to truly take care of themselves, I had to learn how to do it for myself. And it was kind of painful. Right. I'll bet it was. And it's, it's, it's not easy to learn new things, but then, you know, there's encouragement along the way, of course, because maybe you're sleeping better and you feel better and you have more time to go do that yoga class. And then all of a sudden you just become such a blessing to other people because you've taken care of yourself first. Yeah. And I'll take that one step further as to say, what got you here, which is cancer, is not going to get you where you want to go, which is well-being. And that change is really required to create something different. And what you just described is the practice of creating something different, creating that change. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So, Dr. Deming, um, you've unpacked a lot for us today. But now I, I want to end with action plan and hope and, and, you know, I don't like saying, do you have a three-step program? Because that's not what this is about. But where is a good place to start? Do you have some resources that you can share with my listeners? Yeah. So I have a podcast called Born to Heal, and that gives little snippets of like actionable things like 15 minute episodes of like how to process emotions, how to manage fear, which is a big one when people have cancer. Mm -hmm. So my podcast is a great place to start. And then in the new year, I am going to be having some workshops around kind of pulling this all together. How do you create a plan around creating true well-being in your body? Okay. Okay. And then um, do you also have some resources? You'd mentioned tapping, which I love. I love tapping. Um, and maybe I can include some things in the show notes for, for somebody to just kind of, you know, see what, what else is out there once they start deciding to maybe just take a look at this work. Yeah. So I don't use tapping in my, um, in my programs right now, but um, a Psych K, so Psych K st- it stands for Psychological Kinesis. And that's actually a technique that Bruce Lipton, who I described that cell biologist recommends. That's something that you can look up and they have providers kind of worldwide who do this. And it's a way to help learn emotional processing as well as programming of the subconscious mind. So that would be a great place to start. Mm, That sounds really good. Okay. Okay. So this is how I um, like to end my podcast is... What advice would you give me, something I can do today to never get cancer again? I would say understanding that there is a connection between every thought that you have and the emotions that you experience and the physical health of your body and just starting to become aware of what what things, what thoughts are you thinking, what emotions are you feeling, And are those supporting peace because peace is Mm. the place where our body heals. And so finding a place of peace in whatever way you can, whether that's meditation, whether that's doing, you know, just unnoticing your emotions and letting them go, you know, that's where I would start is just becoming aware that like, this is like a very 
integrated being mm-hmm. that you're in and that it all plays together. Oh, I love that. And I will admit for the, for the, before cancer, I, you know, if I was mad at somebody or somebody said something to me or somebody, you know, cut me off in traffic, I might get into bed and just kind of chew and stew about it. And then I'd go to sleep and I'd have all these negative emotions in my, in my head, in my body. And even last night, my husband and I were both tired. We're trying to decorate the Christmas tree. We both just got a little snappy at each other. And I went to bed and I thought, her, that husband. <laughs> and then I thought, you know what? I'm going to get up and I'm going to reset. So I got up, walked around my house, did a little bit of stretching, did a little breathing, did a little praying, and I went to bed happy. And that is a big change for me because before cancer, I just would have churned and burned. And I decided to just change my circumstances because I'm the only one who has power to do that. Absolutely. Well, and that's one of the things that I teach my clients is how to reframe things to find appreciation for what you have. You know, it's like, it's like beautiful that you have a husband and that you have a home mm-hmm. that you can decorate for Christmas and, yes. and starting to settle into, okay, I was like upset, but you know what? It's like, it could be that I didn't have anyone to fight with. So it's like finding those reframes. Right. And I love that you knew enough to get uh, up and walk around and kind of recenter yourself. But it is really important to reframe things that way. And when you notice mm-hmm. yourself getting upset, just realizing that that ultimately, whether you're upset or not, doesn't necessarily impact them. It impacts you more than it does anyone else. It does. It does. Oh, Dr. Deming, this was, this was the podcast I wish I would have had 10 years ago. So thank you. I'm, it's never too late to learn new things. It doesn't matter how old you are. It's never too late. It doesn't matter how sick you are. You can still learn new things that can make incredible changes. So thank you for sharing your wisdom on the podcast today. Absolutely. It's my pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today on the Why Did I Get Cancer podcast. I've got my shopping guide for all of my cancer self-care items in the show notes, along with information about today's guest and our show sponsors. And don't forget to subscribe to my podcast so you never miss an episode. Keep in mind, I'm not a doctor. I'm just a gal that got diagnosed with cancer and wanted answers. If you need medical advice, please be sure to consult with a medical professional. And thank you for listening. 